Every now and then, you meet someone whose character, personality, and career provides inspiration to yourself and so many others that you have to celebrate them whenever possible. Welcome to the future of what? I'm Portia Sabin, president of the Music Business Association. On today's episode, we talked to Gina Miller about receiving the Presidential Award for Outstanding Executive Achievement at the 2023 Music Biz Convention. It's all coming up on The Future of What. Can I have a taste of your ice cream? Can I lift the crumbs from your table? Can I interfere in your crisis? No, mind your own business. No, mind your own business. My guest today is Gina Miller. She's the SVP and General Manager at Monarch. Gina, welcome to The Future of What? Well, thank you for having me, Portia. I'm so happy to have you. I'm excited to be here. Yay. So what we're talking about today is you are the 2023 recipient of the Music Business Association Presidential Award for Outstanding Executive Achievement. Yay. Yay. Applause, applause, applause. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) And now, I mean, this is kind of a weird interview since I'm the one who gave you this award. (laughs) But... I just wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about, you know, what you've been doing up until this point in your career, because you've had a very exciting career in the music industry. It has been interesting, yes. And long. It has been. So give us a little background. How'd you get into this crazy music business? I I mean, well, I tell you what. So here's the story. I'm sticking with it. It's the (laughs) one I'm telling, and we're kind of documenting as such. I would say it was... 20 years or so ago, a little more than 20 years. And how I got here, well, let me start at the very, very beginning, because I think that there were some seeds that were kind of planted before I got to the store I was going to first share. My mom was our church pianist when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And so as a result of that, I spent a lot of time in church with her, listening to music, being a part of rehearsals, sitting behind her while she was at the piano on Sunday. And somewhere around five or six, I started taking piano lessons from the neighborhood pianist, wow. the neighborhood piano teacher. You know, born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee, there are a lot of neighborhoods that have the candy lady and the piano teacher. <laughs> are they the same person? Um, not often. Okay. No, not often, but most neighborhoods have that at least. Okay. And so the neighborhood piano teacher at the time um, connected with my mom and said bring her to me and my mother obliged and you know it really hasn't been to recent time that I said to my mother the audacity (laughs) of someone saying that to you when you yourself could have been the pianist and so my mom in, in all of her graciousness said I was never once offended by that I looked at it as an opportunity And I thought it was a gift and probably more affirmation that Mm. there was something in me that someone else saw besides her. And so I think that that's where the story really starts. It starts with the fact that that lady saw something in me in my mother's home, which your listeners don't know the size of the studio that we're in. But in my mother's home, our living room was a little smaller than the studio. And we had two pianos in in that living room. Upright? Two oh, wow. pianos. Wow. And my mother and my grandmother played side by side all the time. And I grew up 
with that being something my mom and I did. And it really was her way of teaching me. It was bonding. But I also now look at it as those were lessons of how to play certain things. And um, and those experiences, I think, really shaped a lot of who I am. So from there, I went on to play in church later and, you know, picked up band along the way. And I'm really just a music junkie. <sighs> I took piano lessons all the way through college from five, Oregon. I played, I marched in college band, majored in music in college, vocal performance with the education minor, piano on the side. So it's just a lot of music. Mm -hmm. And I think that all set the stage for where I was about to start the story. So 20 plus years ago, I was at a football game with my oldest son who's now 28 he was it was peewee football so that tells you how long ago it was right and there was you know we were in Brentwood but it was a very if you know Brentwood I'll say it's a suburb of for of Nashville for those who are listening they don't know the area and for it to be a pretty affluent neighborhood and community most of the cars that parents were driving were fairly modest you know, Toyota Camry, maybe Escalade here, but but just really regular cars, you know, working families, I guess. And there was this one man who was on the team who drove a Porsche, mm. a navy blue Porsche. I would never forget that it was a two-seater. And he was a very, he commanded attention. <laughs> he was a tall, big, statuesque fella. You know, probably six, three, 300 pounds easily getting out of the Porsche. And so <laughs> it really made me think, okay, this is somebody, surely. Like, surely this is somebody. Right, right. And so as we got close to the end of the season, I started making small talk with him. And I felt like I was getting down to my last shot to ask, like, who are you? Yeah. Like, Nothing we should know each other. And so we did. And I asked him who he was. And he said, you know what kind of music do you like? And I said, uh-oh, he's talking about music. This is my love language here. And the music that he asked me about was music I grew up hearing in church, on the radio, my family's favorites on our vinyl. And I thought, what do you have connected to this? And he said, well, I'm part of a label that puts that music out and the name of the label is blah, 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 and my name is blah, 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 blah. And I thought, well, hurry me. Like, wow. I literally said, surely you got work for me today. Like, there's a job here. Like, <laughs> you, you need me on your team. And he said, eh, well, I don't need the hiring on the CEO, but I'm happy to introduce you to the president who does the hiring. And we'll see what happens from there. I can't make any promises. I said, I don't need your promise. I just need the introduction. I'll take it from there. Wow. And he introduced me. That was Michael Olson, who I shouted out in uh -huh. my speech that night. Yeah. And Michael Olson, who I also saw this morning, um, he's still in my life and very present, a very present friend and mentor and listening ear and sage. And he's, I, I can't say enough good things about how meeting him over 20 years ago changed my life and, quite frankly, the trajectory of my career. Mm -hmm. So he introduced me to Phil White, who was our then president, who basically said, I think you're a nice lady, but I don't have a job for you. And I just said, hey, can I come every day and hang out and be a part of what you all are doing and learn and listen and offer whatever I can do to be in the way? And he obliged me, and I did that for about a year. 
until he came to me and said, "Okay, you're making me look bad here. Like we've been, <laughs> you've been coming in here every day, you know, giving it, giving it what appears to be your all. Like let's figure out something." And his answer to figuring out something was a part-time coordinator job. Wow. And I said, "I'll take it." And that became the beginning of what has now been a yes that I gave this company 19 years ago, and I'm still here. Wow. Wow. And it's gone through. That's the story. And we've gone through several iterations of company names. I've had every title you could have except CEO and president. (laughs) And being able to say that I've worked all the different areas of the company has been a tremendous asset to me understanding how they all work, especially in my role now. I'm glad I had those turns and twists in my journey to be able to look throughout the whole company and see how they not only work together, but how they also work, you know, irrespective of being a collective force. But yeah, that journey started 19 years ago. We just figured that out not too long ago. That's amazing. (laughs) It's amazing. And it's, I feel like your story is, of course, unique to you, but it's also a story that I've heard over and over in the music industry where people said yes to an opportunity. They created an opportunity for themselves. They approached somebody and said, hey, give Mm -hmm. me a chance. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, that's such a, this is such a relationship business. It is a relationship business. And, you know, one of the things when you say the word opportunity, it just kind of puts a a highlight around the fact that while it is not a unique story, I've heard it so many times. You hear about people meeting somebody who gave them, you know, just they just wanted a shot to do anything, get coffee, make copies, whatever, just to get their foot in the door. And I feel like now I don't know that we look at that model for higher leadership roles as we should. Mm. We do it at the entry level, mm-hmm. but I don't know that we are doing as well of a job that we could all be doing collectively better when it comes to seeing people beyond what the paper says and mm-hmm. look for opportunities that and possibility in people who haven't had opportunities yet to rise to occasions, which mm-hmm. is a whole nother conversation for senior level executive work that we should be looking at it differently. I think we should take that model and apply it to how we find more executive leaders and, and prepare them for those roles. I agree completely. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. Mm-hmm. One thing that catches me, though, is I really, you know, your story is also really similar to mine in that I'm a music fan who became a music business fan, mm-hmm. like a fan of the business. Do mm-hmm. you feel that you're a fan of this business? When I stop being a fan, it's time to go. It really will be. When I stop being a fan, I am. When I was doing national sales, our team used to laugh at me and say, Boy, we wish you were every consumer. I buy records, I stand in line. You know, I, I have a beautiful story about the first time I met the Warren Treaty for their debut album. And I guess that was five, six years ago now. And I have friends that work for 30 Tigers, you know. And they, when I got there, they're like, oh, you, you can skip. I was like, nope, I want to stand in line, give me my Sharpie. I'm holding my phone ready. I want to go through the line with my vinyl like everyone else and get up there and go through the process. And for me, that it's also quality control, right? We get to go through <laughs> these things and see how what's lacking and maybe what we do or get, get, you know, ideas for how to do things we do better. But beyond the work, I 
am a fan of great artists who have wonderful art for us to enjoy, inspirational music that makes me smile, happy, and yeah, I don't want to lose that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the business can can dampen it, but dampening is okay. We'll, you know, go out in the sunshine and let it all get dried up <laughs> and then come back for another day. Right. And it really, I have been asked, you know, which side do you lean more with? Your left or right, right brain, right? Mm-hmm. Are you more creative or do you use more of a business mind to lead? And I would like to think that my creative mind still leads and the business side makes it all make sense mm. as much as we can. I like that. Yeah that, yeah, that that makes sense. Because you have to be creative. I mean, people don't get that from the outside, but this business is a creative business as well. It's not just the artists who have to be creative. Yeah, I don't want to lose my gut. I don't want to lose that unction that says there's something there. I don't want to, which is why I still spend a lot of time going to concerts. You should see my Ticketmaster profile. I should start a GoFundMe because, you know, I am buying tickets to go. There's so, everyone's on tour, Portia. They they are. I know, right. (laughs) We should be on tour. Yeah, right. And, but... I'm trying to go. I want to go see Pink. I want to go see Usher in Vegas next week. I want to, you know, I've been to see Jill Scott. I saw Warren Treaty four times in the last few months. I mean, I am going to shows, not to mention my own artists who are on tour and their shows. So a lot of music out there for us all to enjoy of all different genres and formats. And I love every bit of it. That's amazing. So now you've worked every angle of an independent record label, Mm -hmm. but you also have done many other things, including being a manager. Yes. I'm also (laughs) like, you know, need more to do these days, right? right? I'm a manager. I still do a lot of, you know, side consulting projects and, I feel that at this point in my career and life, really, that my yeses are reserved for just the things I'm, I am supposed to absolutely do. And I believe purpose makes space and time for those things. And the things that aren't a part of my purpose are really easy for me to say, no, thank you, or mm-hmm. let me find the right person, or let me offer you some suggestions of other people. So it becomes, it looks like a lot of things, but really it's just the things that are for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I really resigned that any other box that's not, doesn't have my name on it, hit return to sender and give it to someone, get somebody else to do it. Right, <laughs> right. You are so busy and yet you have so much time for other people. I think that's one of the most wonderful things about you. I mean, you're a founding member of Nashville Music Equality, which was started during the pandemic after the murder of George Floyd. You are a mentor. You are, you know, constantly networking and connecting people. I mean, you're just a force to be reckoned with. Thank you, Portia. I think really you are too, so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. But, you know, it's, it's uh, what's your secret? How do you find the time? I mean, you know, I can text you and you text me back, which I'm always like, well, how does that happen? Where, where did I fit among 30 projects she's working on? That's a good question. I think, uh, <laughs> but I think it goes back to the last answer I just gave you. I really feel, so one, one of the things that happened to me growing up, and I just left my mom last, so you didn't even know that. We were probably texting. You thought I was in Nashville in my office. or my, I was with my mom mm. this past weekend. I just shot down to Memphis to see her for the day. 
um, on the heels of an artist of mine that had a show nearby. And so swinging on by moms, I sat with her and played her a clip of something that I was able afforded to do a few weeks ago. And in the clip, I, I say that it's my mother who gave me the blessing and the burden of understanding that I'm not here for myself. Mm. I wasn't born for myself. My gifts aren't for me. And if I don't consider in every decision how what I am doing impacts others, I've lost it before I started it. And when she heard me say that, she smiled. She leaned over and said, you remember it, huh? (laughs) (laughs) That's still with my mother's 89 years old. And she leaned over and she said, "Mm, I'm glad to see you remember it. And I've taken that with me through my entire life because I don't know that she realized how much that was a significant part of almost everything I wanted to do. My mother was the epitome. When she wasn't in our um, church plan, she was a career school teacher and educator. My mother did house calls. And I, I, I remember being in the car with her. You know, she would have students who were in need of things, and those students were in the car with us to go to the grocery or to the mall or whatever. And, you know, Easter, she was buying dresses for other children as well. So I saw it in real time. My sister has also that trait, I think, of, you know, neighborhood missionary of sorts, where she takes on people and problems and all kinds of things that are outside of her own household to make sure that they're okay. So I've had great examples of what that looks like without needing to put up a big sign saying, this is what I'm doing. It's just a part of my DNA. Yeah. It's a part of what I believe I'm here on earth to do. Mm-hmm. Serving, I believe, is still a big part of most solutions. Mm-hmm. And so I think my yeses in that regard open up more opportunity to serve mm-hmm. and just an opportunity to do, you know, to be connected to people in a way that I hope. They see purpose in what they're here to do and are somehow inspired by whatever it is that we're supposed to do together. And that's as simple as I can make it. I love it. Well, selflessness and service are hardly two words that generally go in the music business, uh, the way people think about it. But you are a shining example. And I don't know how I'm going to find someone to give this award to next year (laughs) because you kind of ruined it for everybody else. So thanks a lot. Yeah. Gina Miller is the SVP and general manager at Monarch. Gina, thanks so much for being with me today on The Future of What? Well, thank you, Portia. I appreciate you. And that's our show. Our theme song is Mind Your Own Business by The Delta Five and is played by permission. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Today's show was engineered by Chandler Maynard at Relationary Marketing in Nashville and was produced by Dana Rogers and Henrik Bick. I'm Portia Sabin, president of the Music Business Association. See you next time. Can I have a taste of your ice cream?